When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the uh, wonderful world of aquariums of all types. And I wanted to just take a quick second again to thank everybody for our support during this uh, initial sort of inaugural couple-month period of time for our podcast. Believe it or not, today is the 50th episode we've recorded, and um, <laughs> I hope the quality's improved just a little bit over the first couple of them, but... Uh, I like to say that we've gotten a little better, but it's been a lot of fun. And uh, again, the support has been amazing, and I really appreciate it. Today, I want to talk to something. I talk about something that um, comes to mind every once in a while. It comes to mind every every time I start aquascaping a tank. Um, like many of you, I enjoy playing around with aquascapes. I'm interested in creating all sorts of interesting aesthetics, particularly ones that tie into the natural habitats that we like. And of course, that involves quite often using rocks. Well, actually not that often now that I think about it, but um, on those occasions when I do use rocks, it can be a lot of fun. I mean, usually. But like one or two rocks isn't exactly aquascaping with rocks, right? Yeah, and that's typically the extent of my rock work these days. The sad truth is I'm not particularly good at it. Now you'd think that being a, a reef hobbyist of many years, arranging rocks would be like second nature for me, right? Well, maybe, but no, actually I suck at it. <laughs> Even when I was a reefer, where rocks are like the whole game in aquascaping, I sucked at it, for the most part anyway. And the only saving grace for people like me is that the corals are going to grow over and under whatever your you know rock work consists of. So, you know, if you can grow, well, grow corals well, you look like an aquascaping genius. I mean, sure, I can create a little pile here and there. I can replicate a little reef structure, maybe a little areas of rock reminiscent of those you'd see in a stream, but those artistic Iwagumi-style rock arrangements or those carefully thought-out hardscapes featuring rock, no chance, none at all, like zero. That's why I lean on my friends to do the work when I want serious use of rock in something. Now, leaves, I'm fearless. I dare say I'm a master of them. Seed pods, easy, in my element. Driftwood and twigs and stuff like that, totally. I mean, I'm no George Farmer or Corey Hopkins or Johnny Ciotti, but hey man, I can come up with some pretty good stuff that works now and again. But rocks, no, not even. I love them. I love those Iwagumi scapes. I love those bold scapes that just, you know, you guys put together that just effortlessly integrate rocks into the wood and all the other elements. I mean, I admire them greatly. I'm kind of in awe of the people that create them. I just have zero interest in doing them myself. I'm really not much of a technical scaper. And if you think about it, pretty much every aquarium which I've done and shared with you in these pages, of, you know, in Untannin and, you know, Instagram and so forth over the last few years, pretty much doesn't feature a single rock in it. You ever notice that? So it is kind of funny that when I walk into my facility with all the rocks that I offer and I think to myself, it's totally beautiful, but I have no idea how to use this stuff myself. Yeah, it's kind of some brutal honesty there, right? Well, look, now that Tannin's evolved from just a blackwater specialist to more of a natural aquascaping sort of specialist, I guess, um, you know, providing inspiration and all the materials for all kinds of different habitats, it's nice to take a fresh look at rock once in a while. And it's kind of therapeutic for me, actually, you know, facing my fears kind of thing. 
it's fun to think of rocks as vital components of aquariums modeled after nature because many natural, you know, habitats feature rock. And there's so many possible combinations and all these possibilities to create all these amazing things with just simple elements like rock. And it's also important now and again for those, uh, you know, for those of us that aren't maybe into rocks as much to at least understand why we don't see rocks in some of our favorite blackwater habitats like the agapo, those seasonally flooded forests of Brazil that I'm obsessed beyond measure with. There's some reasons here that make real sense. Well, think about this. Think about the topography and the geography. The whitewater rivers of South America, they, they rush down the mountains of Peru and Bolivia probably too rapidly for clay and silt to be stripped from them. And the rocks in these mountains offer like minerals and nutrients like nitrogen, which attaches to the silt and the clay, and then minerals like elite or montmorillonite. You know that stuff from, you know, shrimp geeks, right? And chlorite. And what happens is these uh, sort of nourish the lower lying areas, you know, in the the valleys and so forth. And in these areas, all the microbes and plants consume some of the nitrogen. And while eaten by other organisms, they convey what's left to the lower lying forest habitats. And the Amazon blackwater rivers are largely depleted in nutrients. They've already passed through the lowland forest soils as groundwater. So the weathering, as they call it, has already occurred hydrogeomorphic processes, which is a fancy way of referring to the stuff that makes rocks, are far less intense than they are in the upland mountain regions of the Andes, where there's all the abundant minerals and nutrients and sediments. So in other words, the result is that most of the low-lying Amazon forest soils are really low in nutrients. The soils are nutrient-poor, they're acidic, and they're called podzols. That's a class of soils that's sort of been depleted a little bit. It's been suggested that most of the available nutrients are taken up by the root mats of the dense plant growth in the forested and jungle areas. And that makes sense. Even the rainwater doesn't provide a lot in the way of nutrient for the plants that grow there. However, what little nutrient there is typically returns to the soil by means of, you guessed it, leaf drop from the trees which grow there. And of course, when the water returns to the forest floors, what little nutrient remains is released into the waters too, and it's quickly utilized by the resident microorganisms and then the fish and so forth. So it's some serious nutrient cycling, right? So where does this go? Well, I'm no expert and not even a novice on geology or geochemistry or anything in that subject here, for that matter. However, based on my research into this stuff, it kind of goes without saying that these are hardly conditions under which rocks, as we know them, could form. Now, you might find the random rock in the Agapo or, you know, the, the, the jungle stream that was washed down from the Andes or some other high country locale, but it didn't originate or evolve there. And this also explains why the blackwater habitats are generally low in organic nutrients and minerals, right? Yet you might find areas of rocks that have accumulated into which blackwater streams and rivers might overflow into. That would be pretty cool, kind of a cool look to, uh, to replicate, wouldn't it? However, if you're really, really hardcore into replicating an agapo in your habitat, in your aquarium, you probably don't want to include rocks because you just don't find them there. So I've pretty much obsessed over that particular habitat, and I can't help but wonder if there's like some subconscious bias I have against rocks, and that's why I never escape with them. Nah, it couldn't be, right? Well, maybe. On the other hand, with all the cool possibilities that nature offers for us to, you know, replicate all these unique natural habitats in our aquariums, utilizing rock in your scape is just a cool thing to do. A little research, a little practice, and a little bit of sleuthing about the natural habitats of the world can really give you some remarkable amounts of inspiring information. And I know a place where you can get some information and even where you can get some rocks. But, uh, you know, this isn't an ad for that or anything. But, you know, if you check our website out, we do have some rocks. Leaves, wood, water, life, and rocks, they all work together. 
I love rock. I love rock. I must convince myself that, of course. I'm going to go down and look at the rock bins again. I know I suck, but I have this idea that I've been meaning to try, and maybe this time it'll work. (laughs) Until next time, simple thoughts for you, but until next time, stay creative, stay inspired, stay persistent, stay thoughtful, and stay wet. I'm Scott Feldman. Thanks again for uh, stopping by and spending part of your day with us. I look forward to seeing you again next time on The Tent.